0: Welcome to the Living Faith Missionary Church podcast you're about to listen to a message from Pastor Chris Starn senior pastor at Living Faith in Yoder Indiana it is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life I seat if you were to ask my my mother uh, how many times I fell and hurt myself growing up she she'd have a long list of times between running into trees while playing football, to uh, riding my bike and going headfirst over the candle bars or crashing. It's a wonder, um, it's a wonder, my brain is even intact anymore and I know some of you would think it's probably not, but there was an article published in the Lansing State Journal about a gentleman, he's 36 years old and, and he was riding a skateboard. And Probably been riding since he was a kid, so I, I don't think he just started. And so he's riding a skateboard in a skate park, and he goes to do I don't know what he was doing, but he was he goes to do a turn. He ends up falling, ends up hitting his head, and ends up dying from the accident because he didn't have a helmet on. And then there was another story just a year earlier in a in a it was called a. Um, It was called the Manchester Evening News. And it was about an 11-year-old girl who was riding along the street on her bike, and she fell over as a car was coming at her. The car ran over her shoulder and her head. But the difference between the first guy, which was um, Paul Maxim, and this girl, who was Savannah Hayworth, the difference was that he didn't have a helmet on, and she did. She survived after a car ran over her. But she had a helmet on. It's strange that a simple thing like a helmet could save a life. But it can. It's amazing what a helmet can do. It's amazing to think of the difference between putting something on to protect you and not putting it on to protect you. And as we've been talking in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God in fact the I want to make sure we call it the full armor of God that's very important that we remember we're we're supposed to be put on the full armor we're not just supposed to put on the breastplate and the belt we have to put it all on so we're we're going through we've got a couple pieces left and the, the one we're going to talk about today is the helmet it's called the helmet of salvation and I want to be honest with you of all the pieces of armor this is the one that must not be underestimated. I, I think today in the church and in the world today, it's it's be, it's become normal for us to underestimate our salvation, the importance of it, to understand it, and to work it out as we're supposed to. So, if you have your Bibles and I hope you do, turn to Ephesians six, verse seventeen. I think this is the first time I've ever preached on half a half a. A verse. That's all we're going to talk about today is one half a verse. But don't worry, I make up for it in the rest of it. Because you'll look on your sheets, there's a lot of verses in there. And I'm not going to read them all. I'm expecting you to go home, look them up. Let me know if any of them are wrong. I did find one that was wrong, and we'll talk about that one. But Ephesians 6, verse 17. Remember, we are told to, to put on the breastplate. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate that's hooked To the belt of truth. We're told to put on the uh, shoes of the gospel of peace. And we're supposed to have the shield, the shield of faith. And now we're coming to the helmet of salvation. It says, and take the helmet of salvation salvation i I did some looking and if we go back to the book of isaiah this is where paul gets this idea of the armor isaiah 59 is talking about the messiah and here's what isaiah says about the messiah it says he meaning the messiah will put put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak now The what Paul talks about in Ephesians does not talk about a cloak, but we know that there were many times the Romans did wear capes, cloaks. It was how they would keep themselves warm. It could get over their armor. So we see where Paul gets this idea. It's from Ephesians. It's from the fact that that I'm from Isaiah. Isaiah is saying saying that this is God's armor. And Paul is saying this is God's armor. It is not ours. It is not my salvation. It's It's not my righteousness. It's not my truth that I'm putting on. The truth I'm putting on is God's truth. God's righteousness. God's gospel, God's salvation. It's not mine. Now, we 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 kind of get an idea of what the Roman helmet looked like and what it was like. This is what this is probably a typical Roman helmet. And like helmets today, obviously it was it was used to protect the soldier's head. Think about this, a fatal blow to the head would put you out. In fact, it doesn't matter how what other armor, I could be fully clothed in armor head to toe, From here down, if I don't have a helmet on, what happens? And somebody hits me in the head. I'm done. That other rest of that armor is useless. We were watching Lord of the Rings, uh, the return of the king last night. The kids wanted to finish it up. And lots of bad battle scenes. And I don't know how many times they never really, they they did, they take the sword and stab him when they thrust A lot of times, they're just hitting him on the head. You get hit in the head, you're done. You're no good. You're out for the count. It's fatal. If we get brained by the enemy, if if if, if the enemy gets in here, we're done. We're done. So we put on the helmet of salvation, and that means we're trusting Jesus as our Savior and our Judge. We're covered by salvation, the past, the present, the future. It was all purchased by Jesus Christ at the cross. That's what salvation is about. That's what putting the helmet on. But why? What is the point of salvation? What is it? Well, the word salvation simply means to be delivered or saved from something. Now, in the Old Testament, we see it, a lot, see it all the time. We see a lot of times God saving the Israelites. Think about this. They've just come out of Egypt, and they are going towards the river. And the Egyptians are behind them, pursuing them, going to t- either kill them or take them back. What are they going to do? They're about to experience something extremely unpleasant. The Egyptians taking their vengeance on them. Because remember, they didn't just leave Egypt, they basically robbed Egypt. God convinced the Egyptians, he made the Egyptians give them all their gold and silver and precious things. So they're standing there. And God intervenes and he saves them. Look what it says Exodus 14.13. The Israelites are caught... And God provides a salvation and says, and Moses said to the people, he said, fear not. You know how many times fear not is in scripture? It is phenomenal. I, I challenge you look it up sometime. Go to Google. How many times is fear not in the Bible? And you'll be amazed. And then read them all, by the way. It says, fear not, stand firm. Same term used by Paul when he says we need to stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. Wow. That's salvation. God's saying, you're never going to see these guys again. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to take care of them well. And you're going to see it. In the New Testament, we see salvation referred to deliverance from the penalty of sin and the deliverance into the kingdom of God. You know, I, I've stated in previous sermons, and, and I, I'm, I'm firm on this, that you and I are sinners from conception, not from birth, not when we were young, not when we finally realized, you know, oh, oh I'm doing something wrong. No, we are sinners from the very moment we are conceived in our mother's womb. We are sinners. If this wasn't true, then all I would have to do is get up here every Sunday and preach you a sermon about how you can, you know, if you just tap into that inner goodness in you. I need to help you figure out how you can just be as good as you really are. No, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We are all sinners. None of us is good. There is no one good. We're all sinners. And as Romans 6.23 tells us, what do we deserve? Since we are sinners, what is this what is the wage? What's the what, what do we get for sin? What's this, the the way the, the wage of sin? The wages of sin is death. He knows what it is. The wages of sin is what? Death. I deserve to die. Now you're like, well, we all die, right? We're all going to die. Yeah, we are. But this is not talking about physical death. The wages of sin is physical and emotional and spiritual separation from God. That's death. That's the second death. The first death is when I die physically. Second death is the true death. That is what the wages of sin are. I'm a sinner, and that is what I deserve. In fact, according to justice, that is what I must get. But instead, God offers me life. Not because I've made myself worthy, not because you know I've cleaned up my act, See, God, I've, I've cleaned myself up. I'm good. You know, I'm a good person now, God. You can, you, can, you can give me salvation now because I'm good enough. No. No. That's not what happens. I can't clean myself up good enough for salvation. It's a free gift that's given to me. Why? Because God loves us. So you and I can only have salvation because of God. Romans 5, 8-10 tells us, but God shows his love for us in that while we were what? Still sinners. Christ died for us. He died for you while you were still a sinner. You did not have to clean yourself up. Now granted, you will clean yourself up. You won't clean yourself up. The Holy Spirit will help clean you up. If you trust in him for your salvation... You'll find yourself doing things you normally wouldn't do. You'll find yourself doing things that you you did before that you're not doing now. But I don't have to be perfect in order for God to love me. He loved us while we were still sinners. Since, therefore, we now have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Believe me, the wrath of God is coming. It is coming. It is coming. And the only way you can be saved from that wrath is if you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of the Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. All of us, all humans, Have acted and thought in a way that's an abomination to God. We have all had thoughts we shouldn't have. We have all done things we should not have done. Our sin breaks the laws of God that were designed for our good and puts a barrier between us and God. And sin is so vile that God requires the death penalty. Justice requires that that penalty be paid. But God in his incredible love for us provided a substitute. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Creator was willing and able to be able to die in our place. Why? Because we need a savior. We need to be saved. So how do we get this salvation? What is it? This helmet that we're putting on is the helmet of salvation. How do we get it? You know the the New Age movement, the people uh, the people in the world today who believe in in and in just kind of cherry picking uh, religions and deciding what they want and what's best for them with it, will tell you that you know well we all have an inner Jesus. If you just learn to tap that inner perfection but scripture says no the heart is evil man's not good there's no inner goodness here the only goodness in here is Jesus Christ it's marred see we have to understand that salvation cannot be earned we cannot obtain salvation based upon right actions it's not because I do the right things that I have salvation. And if, I do, if that's the case, then if I do the right things, then God is obligated to give me salvation. But that's not the way it works. Salvation is a free gift. It's undeserved. God gives it to us. And only God can provide that salvation. He is the only one. There is nothing else that can do it. Our parents can't provide the salvation. Our government can't provide the salvation. Our money can't provide salvation. Our possessions can't provide salvation. We can't provide salvation. Only God can provide it. Paul was talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.9. He says, He's talking about Jesus who has saved us and called us to, to a holy calling. Not because of our works. We're not saved because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. God has a purpose and because of grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. See, we can see in Scripture there's this process that we go through. And this is, this is how we receive salvation. This is what it includes. First of all, we need to hear the gospel. And, and we got to watch it today because there's more than... Well, let me put it this way. There is a lot of false gospel out there today. I watched sermons from many different pastors, many different well-known pastors. And, and I'm sorry, but if I stand here and tell you that, you know, if, if you're having a rough time, you just need to be stronger in the Lord. You just need to be strong. You need to persevere through this. That is... And, and then, then I sit there and say, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a lie. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, you do need to persevere. But you know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is? The gospel of Jesus Christ is that you're a sinner. Jesus came, he died for you, he rose again, and he's coming back again. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we don't preach it because it's offensive. I was watching a video of uh, one of the, leads, the lead singer from Skillet. And you young people, my, I know my kids know who Skill is. They're a Christian band, but they do kind of heavier stuff. Heavy rock. And back in 2000, uh, I think it was 2009 or 2010, they were on tour with these other hard rock bands, secular. And they go bowling afterwards. And there's some really high power people there from the music industry. And one of the guys comes and says, John. And he's like, man, this guy knows my name. He was the promoter. He says, "Man, you guys got it all. You guys got it all figured out." He says, "You've you've got women in your band? That's a big thing at that time. You got a great sound." He says, "But, you know, you guys you guys could do so much for faith if you would just stop talking about Jesus. You could go all the way. You could talk about religion. You could talk about faith. Just stop talking about Jesus. John says he went back to his trailer and he started praying about it. He's like, man, he's right. I could, I could have all, you know, they t- the guy told him, you need to be more like Bono from U2. He's done a lot for, for, for the poor and the needy. He says, but I, I couldn't do it because I can't not talk about Jesus. Because without Jesus there is no salvation. We need to hear the gospel. By the way, it's not Ephesians 3:13. it's actually Matthew 13:23. So if you have your notes, you'll want to mark it into Matthew 13:23 about hearing the gospel. Then we need to believe fully Trusting Jesus—that's Romans one sixteen. We need to—we need to actually believe that what Jesus did and what Jesus said is true. We need to believe the truth, and we need to fully trust that that is the truth. Romans one sixteen. Second, uh, thirdly, what we need to do is we need to repent. That's Acts three nineteen. This is this is what you do when you repent. You hate, you abhor, you your sin disgusts you so much that you turn from it and you stop doing it. To repent is to go the other way. You have to. Repent. Does that mean I won't be tempted to fall back into it? You better believe I'm going to be tempted to fall back into it. But you know what? I either don't do it anymore, and you know it's wrong because Scripture tells tells you something's wrong. Either I don't do it anymore, or if I do do it more, I feel guilty about it and I repent again. And yes, your life is going to be full of going this way making a mistake, repenting of it, telling God you're sorry, and then moving the other way and continuing to grow in Christ. See, I think what the problem is today, what happens is we become, we say we believe, we say a prayer, we think that saves us, and we sit there and we go and spend the rest of our lives walking in a, in a path that leads us to temptation. We fall into it because we're not growing. We're not spending time in prayer. We're not spending time on the Word. And, and I know you kids are going to hate to hear this, but I'm sorry when your parents tell you that you shouldn't hang around somebody because that person's not good for you, they're right. Because if you're not hanging around with Jesus, you're going to be just like the world. And that's what happens to us. We have to repent, and we have to stop sinning. Is it possible to stop sinning? Yeah, I can stop the sin. I'm still going to be tempted, and I may still fall for that temptation. I probably will. God knows I will. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But the fourth step is important. And that is we need to call on the name of Jesus. Romans 10, 9-10 and 13. We need to call out to God. We need to ask God to help us not to fall for temptation. And i to be honest with you. While these are very good steps... In order for us to receive the gift of salvation, our efforts to do these steps is, is not in any way make up for our sins. Just because I do these just because I believe in Jesus, just because I, I, I call on the name of Jesus, just because I repent, does not make up for the fact that I sinned. It doesn't, it doesn't cover my sins. You know, the only thing that covers my sins is the blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross. That's it. I can jump through every hoop you can think of. That doesn't save me. It's Jesus who saves me, and it's a free gift. And it's because God has shown me these things, and I believe the truth of the gospel. It makes my heart want to do these things. And if my heart doesn't want to do these things, then I don't believe the gospel, and I'm not saved. Salvation and forgiveness of sins is not about following steps. In fact, it requires one, I call it one thing, it's a group of two things, but I call it one thing because I don't think you can separate them. It takes receiving Jesus as our Savior, and that means trusting, fully trusting that Jesus Christ is our Savior, and he is the only, trusting that he is the only way to salvation. That is the difference between, between Christianity and the rest of the religions or the rest of the faiths' practices that are in the world. This is what distinguishes us from the rest of the world. Because each of those has a list of steps that must be followed. If you just contemplate enough, if you just do this thing here, you'll get saved. You'll get get fine inner peace. If you just do this thing, you will advance to another level of consciousness. You're playing with demons if you do those things. The Christian faith recognizes that God has already completed the step necessary for salvation. That's Jesus on the cross. And simply calls us to repent and to receive him in faith. Now, anytime we talk about faith, anytime we talk about salvation, we have to ask this question, because everybody's asked this. I've had this question asked of me so many times. Is salvation... Permanent. In other words, can I lose my salvation? We all worry about that. Am I going If I do this, am I going to lose my salvation? Have I wandered and lost my salvation? And this is a tough one, and, and I want you to bear with me as we go through this, because this is important. But I want to go through it logically. We have to remember, first of all, that the Bible tells us about our salvation, that we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Ephesians 2.5 says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. It says, By grace you have been saved. Boom. You're saved. By grace. See, when we're still sinners, God made us alive We have forgiveness from our sins. And because of God's grace, we're no longer on death row. At that point, we're saved. And then 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. So if you walk around and you think that that, 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 that the gospel is foolishness, you're perishing. You're perishing. But to us who are being saved... It is the power of God. See, salvation is not a one-and-done thing. I don't, I don't sit, and, and, and when I was 12, or 10 or 11, I can't remember the exact age, I didn't come down to an altar, ask God to forgive me, and then, boom, it's done. I don't have to do anything else. No. It's not a one-and-done event. It's an ongoing process. Another word for it would be sanctification which means that God is changing me. I'm growing. I'm not the same person I was when I was down there at the altar. And now I'm different. And so God continues to grow. But I have to be willing to allow Him to change me. The problem is we don't want to change. And I think when I'm 95 years old, God's still going to be changing me. He's still going to be stretching me and making me grow. It doesn't matter. We never reach that pinnacle, because if we reach that pinnacle, then we're not here anymore. And then Paul tells us in Romans 12, 2, that we are being transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. That's part of the sanctification process. This renewal only happens and progresses as we are protected with the helmet of salvation. And God gives us promises in Hebrews ten sixteen and Psalm 119 to write his laws on our mind so we have been saved we are being saved and we will be saved we are expected to obey his commandments but this isn't just about obeying 10 commandments in fact there are more than 10 commandments if you really look at it if you look at the law salvation does not come from obeying 10 commandments it never did it never was supposed to it's always been by faith in Jesus Christ because if we do that, if we, if we try to have salvation based upon the Ten Commandments, we're putting the cart in front of the horse. It's by faith. In Jesus, in the process of the salvation, which is sanctification, we'll obey all of God's laws that has been written on our hearts and on our minds, the hearts because of the breastplate of righteousness, and our minds because of the helmet of salvation. Jesus told us in Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. We say that again. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. We have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. We must endure. Our ultimate salvation depends on whether or not we choose to endure to the end. See, see, in Romans, Paul's kind of explaining this whole idea of the grace of God, and he comes to this point of asking this question. He says, since God's grace abounds due to our sin, should we continue to sin so that grace will increase? It's 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 a logical question. If my sinning makes God's grace greater well, shouldn't I just keep sinning so God's grace gets bigger? Because grace is a good thing, right? Paul says, no. No, we don't do that. His answer is obviously no, because we should put sin to death in our lives, and we must not live in it. So with this in mind, can we lose the gift of salvation? And simply the answer is yes or no. Yes and no, actually. It's a little bit of both. Bear with me. I'm going to run through some things I don't think anybody's really thought. You guys probably haven't really thought about this. But what happens when we're saved? What does God do when we have salvation? When we, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, which means when we believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, he did what he said he did, and we trust him for our salvation, we surrender our lives to him, what happens? Well, according to Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 5.17, we're a new creation, Right? We're not just the improved version of our old self. We are now new, completely new. And to lose our salvation, that new creation would have to be destroyed. He'd have to destroy the new creation. We're told Christian is a redeemed person in 1 Peter 1, 18-19. We've been purchased. The price has been paid. In order for us to lose our salvation, God has to return that price. He has to revoke the purchase that was paid with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 says that Christians are justified. If we are Christians, then we have been declared righteous before God. If we lose our salvation, God would have to go back on His Word and now we are undeclared righteous. John 3.16 promises what? Eternal life. But God saw the world, and He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in Him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. If we were to lose our salvation, eternal life would have to be redefined. In Ephesians 1, 13-14, Paul says that Christians are marked by God and sealed by the Spirit. God would have to erase that mark on us. He'd have to take the seal off, withdraw His Spirit, cancel the deposit, break His promise, and revoke the guarantee keep his inheritance, and lessen his glory if we lose our salvation. Paul says that we are guaranteed glorification in Romans 8.30. We are being given justification at the moment we are justified before Christ. We are justified. And the moment we believe, Romans 5.1, and glorified comes, glorification comes with justification. One day we will have glorified bodies. We will be like Christ. If we lose our salvation then God can't guarantee glorification. See, we we have to remember, how do do we get salvation? How do we get it? We get it as a free gift from God. Did we get salvation because we stopped sinning? Did we? What's the answer to that? No! We got salvation... Because of a free gift from him. So understand, my sinning, and I told you, we are all sinners. We continue to sin. We continue to make mistakes. My sinning does not stop God's salvation. there There are other ramifications of my sinning as a believer. There are. There are rewards that I won't receive. There are troubles I'm going to have in this life because I've sinned. That stuff doesn't just go away. But believe me, if I, can't, if I can't gain salvation by not sinning, how can I lose salvation by sinning? Theologically, it's impossible. It's a free gift. True, faithful Christians cannot lose their salvation. I'm going to say that. True, faithful Christians cannot cannot lose their salvation. But pastor, yeah, I know what you're going to say. I know some of you are thinking, but what about those Christians who are living a sinful life now, who are not repentant, who are living this unrepentant lifestyle, and they've rejected their faith in Jesus Christ, and they deny Christ. Or they have never really, they, they've said they were a believer, they grew up in the church, and then they now they say they don't believe in Jesus at all. What about those people? See, the problem with these two instances is that, that we are assuming that they were Christians at the start. That's the problem today. People go around and they say they're a Christian when in reality, I don't think they are. Well, I go to church on Sunday mornings. That doesn't make you a Christian. i said this before. Coming to church on Sunday morning doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's after church makes you a Big Mac. It doesn't work that way. I know you're all thinking about food now, Big Macs. See, I I don't think that we we, we look at that, we say we want them to be a Christian. And they declare that they were a Christian, but I I'm not so sure they were. And that's hard. I know I don't like that. I don't like that idea. Because I know a lot of people who claim to be Christian, but they're not acting Christian. They're not living that lifestyle. And they're denying God and denying Christ. If we look at somebody who is has been wa- claimed that they're a believer, said a prayer, we got to go to first John three six. And believe I'm not just saying this myself. This is from Scripture. First John three six says, No one who abides in him, meaning no one who is walking with Christ keeps. On sinning, no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that me as a believer, as I'm as I'm falling for temptation, that means I don't know Jesus? No. What's that? That means is if I if I sin, my conscience and the Holy Spirit should tell me you made a mistake, that was wrong. You need to repent. You need to make it right. The problem comes when I sin. And my conscience doesn't tell me that. And I'm back in repetitive sin. Now I can begin to question my salvation. Remember, what did I say? I question my salvation. You cannot judge my salvation. Only by my fruit. problem is fruit can be faked. I need to question my salvation. That's why Paul. That's why we're told, work out your faith with fear and trembling. So anybody who knows and abides in Christ does not sin. They will not live in a state of continual, unrepentant, habitual sin. The second case is the person who has said they were a believer and now denies Christ. And this we give, we got to look at 1 John 2.19. John says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. In other words, he's saying, these people that are going away from us and now saying that they don't believe in Jesus anymore, they were never part of us. They never truly believed. Never truly believed. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. Anyone who departs from the faith is showing that he or she was never truly a Christian. They were never be- a Christian to begin with. That's what John is saying. They may have acted very religious. They may have put up a good show. They, 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 but they were never born again by the power of God. Now, let me go back to my question. Can a Christian lose his salvation? I truly believe that a Christian can lose their salvation. But you have to wonder if they were ever a Christian to begin with. And you have to think, I have to do it intentionally. I can't just I can't just sin, make a mistake, and now I have lost all my salvation. It doesn't happen that way. What happens is I've sinned, I need to repent, and I need to get back on track. But I still have my salvation. That's the security we have that Paul talks about. But also that means I shouldn't be sinning. I should be striving to not sin anymore. And even, I I would never, if if I truly am a believer in Christ, I would never go and say I don't believe in God anymore. Because then my original salvation was probably not real. Because, see, nothing can separate a child of God from the Father's love. That's Romans 8. And nothing can remove a true Christian from God's hand. That's John 10. Jesus himself said, "Anything the Father, whoever the Father has put into my hand, nothing and no one can take it out. But See, this is why we must work out our faith with fear and trembling, Paul tells us in Philippians 2.12. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we work out our faith with fear and trembling? How do we make sure that the helmet of salvation is secure? How do we work out our faith? First, we need to renew our minds. Our minds are a battlefield. It's a complete battlefield that will determine the course of our lives. And Paul instructs us in Romans 12:1 through 2 he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as what? Living excuse me, sacrifices. Brothers, present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to, the God, to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We must allow God's truth, truth of his word to wipe out all the things of this world. Anything that's contrary to God's Word needs to be taken care of and wiped out, allowing us to continually wash the world's filth, its lies, its confusion from our minds, and help us adopt God's perspective. Second, we must reject the doubts that arise from circumstances in our lives. Isn't that when we doubt our faith? Isn't it when we are in our our midst of troubles, when people who claim that they are Christians hurt us, that we begin to doubt our faith? Chances are the people who are hurting us, who are claiming are Christians, are either really bad Christians, or they are not, were not Christians to begin with. You have to think, doubt their original salvation. We must not have faith and doubt at the same time. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. So with the helmet of salvation securely in place, we will be able to believe what seems to be impossible. Third, we have to have this eternal perspective. The world seems to be crashing around us. We have to remember to look up. We have to, be, we have to receive the most precious gift of salvation keeping our eyes firmly on Christ, and we will be able to weather whatever storms come our way. You know, I'll talk to you. If you want to sit and talk about what's going on in the world, I can, I can give you a lot of d- details. I've done a lot of research. I've spent many a night listening and watching and reading all kinds of stuff. But you know, in the end, I do all that stuff, not because, not that I'm, I'm not fearful of what's going on. I just want people to know the truth. And I want them to say, listen, with all this garbage going on in the world today, Jesus is still Jesus. God is still on his throne. And if you truly are faithful in Christ, you have nothing to worry about. You have nothing to worry about. God's going to take care of it. I'm not saying you won't have a tough time. I'm not saying you won't be persecuted. What I am saying is you're going to make it through. And guess what comes at the end? Much better than anything you'd ever imagined here. Oh, but, you know, I want to see my kids grow up. Yeah, I'd love to see my kids grow up and get married. Abigail doesn't want to, she's giving me that look. She doesn't want to get married. She doesn't want to kiss a boy. That's good. I'm glad. Don't. I want to see that. But I'm okay if I don't because I know what comes afterwards. It's much better. It's much better. Matthew 6.20 says, Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Understand that if it does not have eternal significance, it's not important. It's not important. Fourth, we have to remember that the victory has already been won. Romans 6, Paul tells us in Romans 6, so you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. We are dead to sin, but we are alive in God. Remember this, we can eliminate all the traps that Satan lays before us, all the darts he's throwing at us. Make your salvation sure. Work out your faith with fear and trembling. Fifth, we have to find our hope only in him. Psalm 73, 25. Whom am I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Can we say that? Can we say that there's nothing on earth that I desire more than God? If I can't say that, then I'm an idolater. And I put something before God. And I have to repent. And I have to turn. And I have to make God the most important thing in the world to me. And then I'll know that my salvation is sure. Because that's what I want to do. The helmet of salvation will be most effective when we treasure what it represents. The salvation that Jesus purchased for us cannot share its place with anybody and anything in this world. We must delight in Jesus Christ, eliminate all the tools of the evil one that he will try to use to discourage us and make us fall. Because he is powerless. He has lost. Wearing the helmet of salvation every day will allow our minds to become more insulated from the suggestions and the desires and the traps that he has set. So we need to put on the helmet of salvation. We we need to make sure that we're not <laughs> I I think we're fearful that we're going to lose our salvation. And like I said, it is possible, if you, in t- if you are intent, I'm not going to believe in God anymore, and I'm walking away from him. Then I, but, th- but then I have to question my original salvation. Was it real? Because God will keep us with him. Jesus, will, can, we can't be taken out of his hand, so maybe I never was in his hand. That's what Paul finally says to the church in Philippi. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's what we need to do to keep the helmet of salvation on. You know, we... Salvation is a free gift. It was given to us. All we have to do is accept it. And all we have to do is believe it and let it change our lives. See, the question is, are we going to allow it to change our lives? Are we going to think on these things? Are we going to think on the things of the world? Are we going to worry about, these, about what God wants? Are we going to have an eternal perspective? Or are we going to be worrying about today and tomorrow and the next day in this crazy world? I can, I, can read, I can read all of the news broadcasts, watch all the news broadcasts, read all the newspapers, and it doesn't bother me one bit. I don't get depressed at all. Why? Because of this. Because I know God trumps it all. And I don't mean Donald Trump, by the way. He trumps it all. If I just have faith, and I trust in my salvation, which I am secure in my salvation, even though I messed up. I know God still loves me. He just wants me to repent. So when I screw up, I repent. I repent to those I hurt. I tell them I'm sorry. I ask them to forgive me. I ask God to forgive me every day. And I strive to be better, allowing the Holy Spirit, allowing God to work inside me, thinking on these things, putting on the full armor of God to go out And fight the fight. And see, it's all because of the salvation of Jesus Christ that I'm able to do that. And that's what we celebrate with this, with communion, is the salvation that comes to us through Christ. It was Passover. A moment of salvation because that's when God passed over the Jewish people in Egypt and the firstborn of all of Egypt, including animals and Egyptians and Jews who did not, Israelites who did not have the blood over their door, their firstborn died. And God passed over them because they were faithful and did what they were told to do. So Jesus was celebrating Passover with his disciples and, and there's, a whole, there's a whole ritual that goes along with that. And there are four cups And Jesus. But bread is important in that. And he, so he took the bread and, and he broke it and, and handed it out. And he told them, this here is my body that's been given for you. And he says, take and eat So I want you to understand what we just did. By doing that, you are declaring in the heavenly realms that you are a true believer in Jesus Christ. You have now taken His body as a symbol that He paid the price for you. It's important that we understand that. That's why it's important that we take it in reverence. And I don't just mean we have to take it quietly, because that that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about fully understanding why we're doing it. Because next, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, This cup is my blood that's being poured out for the forgiveness of sins, being poured out for salvation. And this is a place we need to work out our faith with fear and trembling. If I drink this, I am declaring. I am declaring to the, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that God's blood has been paid for me. I am now painting a target on my back. This, isn't, this, is, this is deep. This is his cup of his blood. And I'm going to take his blood. It's going to be poured over at me. This is we don't do this flippantly, we do it seriously. But he says, This is the cup of my salvation. Take and drink. I, I challenge you this week. Begin thinking about how we are to work out our faith with fear and trembling. How are we working out our salvation? It's a free gift. It's given to us. It's be like giving, be giving somebody a tool and them not knowing how to use it. Now I've got to figure out how to use it. It means I need to work it out. I need to be living the life God wants me to live. What is that? If you need help in figuring out what that is, let me know. I, will, I can, I can lead, get you in the right direction. If you're struggling in your in your life and you want and you need help, let me know. I can walk with you through this. We have people who will pray for you and we will walk with you through this. If you don't understand any of what I said, please don't just don't just ignore it. The sermon will be up online probably tomorrow. Watch it again. Read the verses that I gave you in your notes. Ask me questions. That's what this is about. This is why we're here. It's not just to sit here on Sunday morning and, and, and get juiced up. That's not what it's about. It's about growing. If we're not growing, we're dying. And we need to grow as believers in Christ. I want to share with you a benediction. It comes from the book of Jude. It says, now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling. I love that. And to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. God bless. Thank you for joining Living Faith on our YouTube channel. My prayer is that this message today has encouraged you and strengthened your faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to connect with you, so please subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so that you get updated when we add a new message. Also, please leave any comments you might have in the comments section. We would love you to join us live for our service on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We hope you have a great day today. God bless.